Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Everyone else, go ahead and take your Bibles and let's open this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, as we begin our Christmas series this morning, we're going to be looking at finding hope, peace, joy, and love in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Finding hope, peace, joy, and love in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, as we find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the text this morning, we're going to see four aspects of God's work that we can find hope in this morning. So Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to pick up in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 as we continue to try to find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So look with me now, chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And listen to the great promise at the end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for bringing us together this morning, for gathering us in your house that we might be able to worship you. And Lord, I pray as we come before you now to worship you through your word, that you would speak to us in a mighty and in a powerful way. Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored in all that is said and all that is done. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves for this Christmas season, Lord, we pray that we would constantly be reminded that Christmas is really all about the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would not be distracted by the things that are going on around us, but Lord, that we would find hope, that we would find peace and joy and love in you this Christmas season. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, in the text this morning, we're going to see four aspects of God's work that we can find hope in this morning. Number one, we can find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. We can find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. Now, 
This past Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study, we, we mentioned how the Old Testament is always pointing us towards Jesus Christ in the New Testament and the fulfillment of God's plan. I, I threw a term out on Wednesday night called biblical theology. And biblical theology is a way in which we study God's word. And so that no matter what aspect of God's word that we're in, we always look at God's word in, 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 in relationship to the big picture from the beginning to the end that tells the one story of how God sent his son Jesus Christ to be the savior of the world. And this is a great example of what that is going to look like in how we handle the text this morning. Because here in Isaiah 9, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel concerning a real historical event that has taken place in their life, which is the invasion of the Assyrian Empire, where God used the Assyrians to judge the nation of of Israel. And so God is going to be comforting the nation of Israel concerning the evasion of Assyria. He's going to be speaking to them about what's going on in their lifetime, in their time. And we're going to see the prophecy get fulfilled in history, in real life, in real time. However, God is not just speaking to Israel concerning the invasions of the Assyrians. God is using this prophecy to point beyond that and foreshadowing the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that was in their future and now is in our past. Amen? And so this is a great example of how the text here means two different things. God is using it to speak to the nation of Israel, but he's also using it to show the nation of Israel that there is a great light, the Lord Jesus Christ, that God is preparing to send to the nation of Israel and to all mankind. And that's why this text is such an important text for us to understand as we sort of kick off our Christmas series this morning. And so if you pick up with me now, Back in chapter 9, verse 1, you notice that in form, verse 1 is different than what follows in verses 2 through following. As a matter of fact, in many ancient manuscripts, chapter 9, verse 1 is actually the end of chapter 8. Chapter 8 speaks of the Assyrian conquest of Israel, and therefore it is full of doom and gloom as God allowed the nation of Israel to be conquered by the Assyrians. Why would God allow them to do that? Because God was using the Assyrian Empire to judge the nation of Israel. You see, Israel had gotten to a place where they were no longer putting their faith and their trust in God. Instead, they were actually relying upon the Assyrians to protect them and to provide security for them. Well, what happened in history is that the Assyrian Empire pulled one over on Israel. And instead of providing protection, they actually betrayed them. And Scripture tells us in 2 Kings 15, 29, that God allowed the Assyrian Empire to walk through Judah, walk through Israel, almost as if it was a flood of judgment where God used them to conquer the nation of Israel. Because of that, the nation of Israel had begun to really question whether or not God was good, God was powerful, and whether or not God was going to keep the promises he made to the nation of Israel. So in Isaiah chapter 9, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to offer Israel hope, to help Israel remember that God is faithful even when we are not. Amen? And that God keeps his promises because his promises are not based upon who we are. His promises are based upon who he is. Amen. And I'm telling you, all of us need to be reminded that God is faithful 
to keep his promises, not based upon who we are, but based upon who he is. Amen? That's such a comforting thought this morning because I know if it was up to me, I don't deserve the goodness, the grace, the mercy, or the promises of God. And so as we pick up in verse 2, God is beginning to offer hope to the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, you see the lands of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those were the first two areas that were conquered by the Assyrian army. And what God is saying in verse 2 is that even those lands that had been conquered first, even those lands that had been under captivity the longest time, God is restoring their hope. God is providing them with a reason to hope. And in verse 2, we see the reason. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Now what's so amazing here is that God says, I know that you're in darkness now. I know that hanging over you is a fear of death because you're taken captive by someone else. I understand that you're living in fear. I understand that you're living in bondage. I understand that you're in deep darkness. But I want you to understand a light has shone upon you. God's favor has been restored. God is going to keep his promises to you even though you, Israel, don't deserve them. God's going to keep his promises. And upon hearing the news, notice what it says in verse 3 as the nation rejoices. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when the divide is spoiled. Or excuse me, when they divide the spoil. The nation rejoices because God is going to rescue them from their oppression. The nation rejoices because God is going to keep his promises. And what a great word this is to the nation of Israel living in captivity in Assyria. But I also want you to understand this is a great word for us this morning. Because this isn't just speaking to the nation of Israel. This is speaking to God's people who are under bondage. You see, we are not under captivity to the Assyrian Empire, but we are under captivity to sin. Amen? We are under bondage. We are all born in sin. We are all under the captivity and the bondage of sin and death. There is a deep, dark shadow that reigns over us. But God is telling us that he has sent a great light to shine upon us. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, John identifies who that great light is. He says, in the beginning was the word... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and listen for it, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 9, he says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. You see, as John writes that concerning Jesus there in John chapter 1, John is pointing back to this prophecy of Isaiah 9, and he is letting people know, he's letting us know this morning that the light was Jesus Christ, amen? And he has come to shine into the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. The light of Jesus Christ is here to offer us hope. And that light is the life that is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen? 
And so as we celebrate Christmas, as we remember what Christmas is all about, we find hope in who Jesus Christ is. We find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. Jesus was the light that came to bring light into the darkness and life to the dead. He was sent by God to redeem the lost and save sinners back into a right relationship with God. So as we celebrate Christmas, we find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. God sent Jesus so that you and I could have a right relationship with him. And because of that, we can find hope in Jesus Christ this morning. So we find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. And then secondly, we find hope by focusing on God's act of liberation. I love the imagery of the prophecy that God gives to to Isaiah here in Isaiah 9. Look with me in verse 7. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. I'm just curious this morning, how many of you like, are, are, are old enough? Let me say that. How many of you are mature enough in age? Would that sound better? That sounded better. Mature enough in age that you can actually remember a day when you were farming the land and you had an ox or you had a mule, you had a donkey, you had something that had a yoke around its neck that was attached, attached to the plow and was actually plowing a field. I'm just curious. I know James remembers. Come on, James. You got to remember, right? James doesn't even remember. He's here this morning, but he remembers that. Amen? Right? That, that for, so, for, so for my generation, when we think of somebody plowing a field, it's a tractor, right? We, we don't have any concept of what a yoke is. And for Noah and his generation, they don't have a clue. A yoke is something that's inside the egg. That's what we think of when we think of a yoke. And so just to make sure that all of us are tracking this morning, the yoke was a piece of wood that fastened around the shoulder of the animal. And that that wood, that thing, that yoke attached the animal to the plow. And so that as the yoke was upon the animal, every step the animal took, he was pulling the plow that was digging down into the dirt. And he had all of that weight, all of that pressure upon his shoulder. And the image here is that God is going to come alongside of us and he's going to break the yoke. He's going to remove the bondage, remove the weight, the pressure that weighs us down. And he's going to set us free from that which oppresses us. The scripture talks about the rods and the staff that were used to literally beat the backs of the Israelites. And God was going to take those and he was going to break them and set Israel free from their oppressors. And God did just that for the nation of Israel. He set them free from Assyrian captivity. He fulfilled and kept his promises because he's faithful. But he also used this text and he used the nation of Israel to point us to what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. Because all of us this morning have that same yoke attached to our neck. And every step we take, we take under the oppression and the bondage of sin and death that weighs us down. And there's only one hope that we have and that hope is Jesus Christ. It is only Jesus Christ who can break that bondage, who can break that yoke upon our neck and set us free from sin. And I want you to understand that if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want you to know that there is freedom to be found in Christ. Amen? He will liberate you. He will set you free. When we were born, we were born sinners. 
I can almost imagine that there's no one in this room that ever taught their children or their grandchildren how to tell a lie, how to sin, how to be dishonest. But all of us know they learn it and they know it naturally. How and why? Because it was a part of their nature when they were born. I didn't teach my children how to breathe and I didn't teach them how to sin. They were born knowing how to do both. Why? Because it was a part of their nature. You and I are under the bondage of sin. We are under the wages of sin, which is death. We are oppressed. There is a weight hanging around our neck that we cannot get rid of. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to set us free from that bondage. Amen? Jesus Christ, remember, was not just the babe in a manger. Jesus Christ was the son of God who came to this earth and died on a cross to set us free from our sin. Amen? And what a powerful God we have that he can grab that yoke and snap it in half and set us free so that we can live eternally with him. And I'm here to tell you that we find hope in Jesus this morning. Amen? We find hope in nothing other than the Lord Jesus Christ, but we find hope in Jesus this morning. Amen? Everything in this life will let you down. Every person we know will let us down. But the Lord Jesus Christ will be and is faithful now and forever. And so this morning, we can find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. We can find hope by focusing on God's act of liberation. As a matter of fact, remember what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. He says, even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. We have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can find hope this morning by focusing on God's work of redemption, by focusing on God's act of liberation. And then thirdly, we can find hope by focusing on God's promise of victory. I love the imagery again in this prophecy. Look in verse 5 as Isaiah, through the Holy Spirit, gets really graphic here. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Notice the soldier's boots are covered in blood. The garments look as if they have been rolled in blood. And they are utterly disgusting and covered with filth. And God says those garments that represent not just the Assyrian invasion, but honestly they represent most of Israel's history in the Old Testament. Judgment after judgment, war after war after war. Those garments aren't going to be used for battle any longer. Those garments are going to be used to fuel the victory fire. Amen? They're going to be cast into the fire as an offering is sent up to the Lord. Why? Because victory has been won. There's a real day in Israel's history where they were set free. They were released from the Assyrian conquest and there was a victory fire. There was a massive celebration for God. But I want you to understand that there also was a day in history where Jesus Christ came to this earth And he died on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead. 
and he provided victory like never before. Amen? And in heaven, there was a, there was a fire of celebration, if you will. As Jesus conquered death, conquered the grave, came back from the dead, having defeated death and the grave and sin forever and ever and ever. And we today stand in that victory because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Matter of fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Amen? Let me assure you this morning. Jesus Christ has died for your sins. He has risen from the dead, having defeated death and the grave. And you have the ability to be set free from sin this morning. It's up to you to say yes to what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? He's redeemed us, right? He's liberated us. He's set us free. And he's provided us with the victory. And it's up to us to respond by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. We no longer have to be slaves to sin. We no longer have to be fearful of death. We've been given the means by which we can be set free and we can have victory. You see, we can find hope by focusing on God's work of redemption. We can find hope by focusing on God's act of liberation. And by focusing on his promise of victory. And then fourthly and finally... We can find hope by focusing on God's provision of Christ. Look with me in verses 6 and 7. In verses 6 and 7, we find God's provision that is able to provide that redemption, that liberation, and that victory. God says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. You see, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah tells the nation of Israel, there's a day coming when a child is going to be given, when a child is going to be born. This child will not be an ordinary child. This child will be God's provision that will accomplish everything he just said in verses 2 and following. This child will provide the redemption that God promises. This child will provide the liberation. He will set his people free. This child, he will provide victory over sin. And God says, this child is going to do what no one else has ever done. And verse 6 is where we clearly see that God isn't just speaking to the nation of Israel concerning the Assyrians. He's talking to us this morning. Amen? Notice the names given to this child. First, he will be called Wonderful, giving us evidence of his deity. He'll be called Counselor, revealing that we can trust and follow his plans. He'll, He'll be Mighty God, revealing his strength. He'll be called Everlasting Father, revealing his eternal reign and relationship with us, his children. And he will be called the Prince of Peace, revealing that his reign will bring peace to his people. We also know him as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross 
to pay for our sins. The babe born in a manger that was actually the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who humbled himself to the point of taking upon flesh and dwelling among us ultimately so that he could head to the cross and die in our place. Amen? God sent Jesus Christ as a provision so that we could have faith, so that we could have trust, so that we could have salvation. How do we find hope, peace, joy, and love? We find it in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So my question for you this morning is, have you accepted God's provision of Jesus Christ this morning? Have you come to that place in your life where you've put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have, then I would encourage you, share this good news with others. Amen? It's too good to keep it to ourselves. It's too good to to hide that light under a bushel. Amen? I'm not going to sing the song, but you know what I'm talking about. It's too good for that, right? We've got to let the light of Jesus Christ shine. We've got to share the gospel. We've got to share the good news because I'm telling you, there's a world out there that cannot find hope. And we have the hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Everywhere you look, people are searching for hope. And we have the only source of genuine hope. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're a believer, share the good news. Share the hope of Jesus with others. But maybe you're here today and you've never actually trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Oh, you've heard the stories. You know the information. You even would say that you believe in the Bible. But what I'm asking is, have you ever come to the place where you've given your all to Jesus? Have you ever come to the place where you've said, God, here I am. I'm yours. Anytime, anywhere, anything. God, I am yours. You see, that's not just the picture of a missionary. That's the picture of a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Too many times we set that bar as the bar for missions and ministry. I'm telling you, if you haven't said anytime, anywhere, and anything to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's not truly your Lord. He's not truly your Savior. Because if you are placing yourself in a position above Him where you get to make the calls, then He's not Lord of your life. You might know Him. You might know of Him. But you've not surrendered yourself to Him in salvation. Don't ever forget, the devil and the demons know exactly who Jesus is. They do not submit to him as Lord. What I'm asking is, have you come to the place in your life where you've submitted to him as your Lord and your Savior? You've trusted Jesus Christ. You've said to him, God, I am yours. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Will you pray with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you again, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior to redeem you back to God, to set you free from sin, and to give you victory over death? If you haven't, then in just a few moments, we're going to stand to sing the hymn of invitation. 
And as we do, then that'll be your opportunity that you can come forward and you can say to me, Will, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'll tell you everything you need to do and know so that you can give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. If you feel God calling you, drawing you to himself this morning, then let me encourage you, do not leave here before you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believers, are you living in light of the hope that we have in Christ knowing that we are here on this earth to bring glory and honor to God and to speak of the hope that we have in Christ? Most likely you're like me, and the answer to that question is, well, sometimes. Let me encourage you. Live your life for the glory of God. Speak of the hope that we have in Jesus. Share the good news of Jesus with others because there's a world out there that desperately needs hope. Maybe you're here today and the Lord is leading you to follow him in believer's baptism. Maybe the Lord is leading you to make this your church home, whatever and however the Lord is leading you to do this morning. This altar is open. You can come and pray. I'll be here. You can come and I'll be happy to pray with you. But let me encourage you that whatever the Lord is leading you to do, let's follow him now in faith and in obedience. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you are doing in our hearts and our lives right now. Lord, we pray for your will to be done as we surrender ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, let your will be done in us and through us this morning. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.